0: You're listening to the Horizons Church podcast. Good morning, my friend. Hello,
1: how you doing?
0: Great. Yeah. I'm much better Good. than I was last week. You sound so much better. Because we were supposed to record yes, we last were. week, as we do. Mm-hmm. On a weekly basis, mm-hmm. but boy, oh boy, when I woke up, yeah. was I not in a station of life.
1: I saw you later that day at work, and uh, you looked it. Thank you yeah,
0: <laughs> for that honest one-star review of my <laughs> health.
1: Oh, uh, you know. But it just, you know, but now you're at a five. Thank you. Can you not, I mean, I can, t- there's a glow up and I can tell. There's a glow up? A glow up. Explain. Okay. See, now the cracks show because sometimes I use terms that I just kind of know, but can I explain it? This is why I'm going to be a bad father. It's like, I'm using all these <laughs> terms and my stupid like child who barely knows English it doesn't know any of the my words. stupid child. Well, you know they are. If that you know before they know things, they that's dead by definition. Just they're just not intelligent yet. They haven't figured out words, um, and Ooh. and I'm not going to be able to explain the words without using the word. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's very difficult for me. And now you've put me in this position publicly. It's great. So it's like a before and after pick of. Let's say here's a good example. Heroin version of Macaulay Culkin. Oh yeah. Which God bless him because that's just rumor. That's just bad paparazzi. Right. And current Macaulay Culkin who. Was absolutely killing it yeah he's got a podcast oh really you should listen to ours instead but um <laughs> he did a two-part interview with bob Saget. really it was i loved every minute of both podcasts wow yeah it was very it was very cool um so he's obviously living the dream now but the quote-unquote glove would be it's often like a visual thing about they look haggard and suddenly they look like whoa who's that who's who's that
0: I did have that feeling the first time I saw Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah. After whatever, I don't. know. I feel like he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. He did minus those photos where you're like, "Whoa, Macaulay Culkin!" You're like, oh, was he okay? Yeah, it's and okay? then he was on some Super Bowl commercial, I think. This most recent Super Bowl, really? I think was the first time I saw him again after that, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, whoa! He, he looks, he looks good. He does. He Looks healthy.
1: Absolutely, hundred percent. That's delightful. Mm. He's well, super. He's super cool guy."
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. honest five-star explanation of yeah. glow up. Yeah. Glow up. It's kind of like blow up, really? but not I mean, not no, it's not. I just <laughs> I'm thinking semantically words. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Words are important. They they are
1: so important. They really define just so much.
0: Yeah, language, you know. Language. It's a, not not like filthy language, but like I mean, vocabulary. Language. Yeah, vocabulary, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah, we are. This is the grammar lesson with me. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. We're not talking about grammar. That's disgusting. No, we're talking about, well, you looked at the title, so you know what we're talking yeah, about. It I would feel like, why do we have to explain that? People like, you pull up the podcast, it's like, oh, yeah. it's a creative commentary on the Psalms and arrival. Yes, And then I feel like. Oh, hey, guys, guess what we're talking well, about? Well, here's the thing.
1: They don't know we're talking about arrival unless they look at the show notes. Oh, uh, so you've spoiled that detail.
0: That's right. Yeah. Spoiler hey, alert.
1: Hey, here in the moment. Yeah. You know, time what? Time is a figment.
0: Whoa, that's funny.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But for now,
0: <laughs> the lang- Psalms.
1: Language, yes. Yeah.
0: So the Psalms are probably one of the most, dare I say, classic books of the Bible? Dare, dare. I think I I would, because... I think even if you have no familiarity with Mm. the scriptures, maybe outside the gospels, the Psalms are kind of imprinted on the Western imagination to some extent. There's just something about them that like, oh yeah, like if you're going to find like a Bible in a hotel, it's going to probably be a New Testament with the Psalms. They got to be sure to include (laughs) the Psalms. You're right. And the Psalms, they've provided the classic hymnal and prayer book for God's people for thousands of years. Mm. So I I think it kind of makes sense. Sure. So, what kind of want to talk about today with the Psalms is kind of a switch up from how we normally handle books of the Bible in this series. So, normally what we're doing with these books is we're coming at them from the angle of biblical theology, right? right? So, we're looking at how there are themes inside of these books that kind of point to the redemptive flow of salvation history and how Jesus is made known in those books. And we'll talk a little bit about that, of course. But here in the Psalms, I kind of want to hone in on how they teach us to develop a language adequate to prayer and how they teach us um, a kind of participatory way of speaking that gets us in on the reality of god and the things that he is working out in the world because if you read the psalms you pretty quickly discover that for every emotion occasion and moment there is one
1: (laughs) Is is there a psalm for just the mundanity of life
0: there are a lot of psalms that okay like the psalms of ascent Okay. So that's just people walking, basically, to worship. That's terrific. You know, they're just saying, like, oh, yeah, like, um, there's this mountain over here. And, oh, hey, where does my help come from? Oh, my help comes (laughs) from, you know, my... my, What a twist. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's that kind of stuff. Wow. And, of course, the other thing about the Psalms is they were used by the people of God every day, Mm. basically, as they were developed and became part of the fabric of the worship of God's people. So in that way, I suppose you could say they are almost inherently kind of part of the mundane. Like, it was just part of what you did every day in fact there are still a lot of traditions mainstream evangelical protestantism not so much but like you think like anglican and some branches i think of the presbyterian and methodist churches i mean they're working through the psalms sometimes every 30 to 60 days like the entire psalter yeah wow so pretty integral part of the life of faith. So, I mean, you got psalms for celebration, you got psalms of lament, you got psalms of praise, thanksgiving, you have psalms of, dare I say, rage. (laughs) You get some, they are historically called the imprecatory psalms. There's really a psalm for every moment and every occasion. I guess one way of putting it is the psalms put words to the totality of the life of faith. Mm. And so, because the psalms cover so much and because when it comes to biblical theology in particular, I mean, you have the messianic psalms, you have right. psalms that are foreshadowing Christ. There's a lot going on there. I thought, let's take a different, slightly different tack. Let's, okay. you know, let's break protocol here a little. Let's do it. Got to do that. What was it we talked about in our leadership trainings last year? Challenge the process. Yeah. Challenging the process right, right now on the Horizons do it. Church podcast. <laughs> kind of taking my cues here from N.T. Wright, oh, the famous Anglican name, pastor.
1: Name drop and right author.
0: Yeah got Dinner with him once. Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. That was like probably 85% of people don't know who NT Wright is. And I'm like, oh, you're not know dinner with NT Like, oh, Josiah, come on, give us a break here. <laughs> but he wrote a compelling little book called The Case for the Psalms okay in which he kind of lays out how the psalms show us how God is present and at work in our space in our time and in matter that's interesting right yeah you know i don't i don't know that i've ever really thought about the psalms in those terms
1: not i can t- definitely tell you i've never thought of them like that
0: yeah And it was, it's a little book. Really? It's like 200 pages. (laughs) This guy. This guy's like, oh, it's a little book,
1: it's only 200 pages.
0: I'd say, you know, it's 200 pages, but I mean, like, the font is like...
1: (laughs) I mean, it's less than The Fellowship of the Ring. I'll grant you that. That is
0: true. But they're like small pages. I don't want to say it's not like one of these big books. It's like, oh, that's 200 pages. It's not a
1: tome. Yeah,
0: and it's like the font is like seven point, you know, and it got like tons of footnotes. I mean, you could feasibly read that in like a day or two.
1: A pretty a person could, but only one person in this room could. And the other person, the other one is me. But <laughs> carry on.
0: Uh, uh, well, so he so he explored the intersection of how the Psalms teach us this. And he started with, if I'm remembering correctly, space. And when he's talking about space, he's not talking about outer space. Right, right. He's not talking about, you know, like alien, you know, um, he's talking about the physical geographical places that we human beings occupy. And he kind of extrapolated how the Psalms show us how the same God who inhabits eternity is also the same God who takes delight in particular places, which is a pretty wild concept. You think about, oh, here's a God, Prophet Isaiah said, he is the one, the lofty one who inhabits the high places of eternity. But then you see in the Psalms, he takes delight in Zion or the temple or with his people. Mm -hmm. That's pretty remarkable that, you think about the Psalms, they were written in Israel and you got like a couple that were written in the exile, okay. but all of salvation history that we read about in the Psalms mostly happened in one little dot yeah. on the world map. Like that's pretty incredible. That's wild. The fact that God is at work, even in a place like you just, you look at Israel on a map today, even you're like, really? That's <laughs> that's. that's that- it's really not much, right? but that is where God works. He works in our space. And then, of course, naturally, Jesus is the ultimate example of that. Yeah. You know, the eternal God fleshing himself and walking and living and talking with people in a particular space. So the Psalms, I think, kind of give us a language for understanding how God is with us now in our space, which is obviously very encouraging because it's one thing to have a God who's far off and removed. And another thing to have a God who is with yeah. us and inhabits the same spaces that you and I walk. Right. And the Psalms teach us that and they show us that. Which I find very compelling myself. Which in you think about that, it's like, oh maybe okay, that, that seems perhaps more obvious. Like, you know, you read Christ's promise in Matthew he's like, I'm with you always at the end of the age. Like, yeah. oh
1: okay sometimes that seems very ethereal though.
0: Yeah. And I think the Psalms bring that down to a Oh yeah, the temple. Oh yeah, like walking up the mountain with God's people. Right. But the other thing that he talked about was how in relation to time, the Psalms show us over and over again how God was faithful in the past and how he promises to be faithful in the future and how he is with us in the present, even when the current moment is confusing or even painful. So you have this kind of weird intersection of time where past moments infuse present moments with hope for future moments mm. and all of it kind of coalesces and converges in this moment but take psalm 42 okay. which is the famous psalm that says why are you downcast all my soul yeah. why so disturbed within me you take that and then one of the next lines is for i shall again praise him my hope and my god the psalmist is reaching into the future mm-hmm. there i mean kind of it's, it's the psalms are kind of like time traveling yeah. you know what I'm saying like all right the present moment may be full of distress and confusion and it's foggy and i can't see clearly and yet at the same time i know at the end of time often the future in a place where i can't quite see but yet i can see it mm-hmm. That because God was faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the future and he will fulfill his promises. And it's also kind of weird because you get that, I think it's Psalm 90, where it says with God, a thousand years are as a day and a day is as a thousand years. Yeah. He has this unique relationship to time yeah. that the philosophers have been trying to unravel for, again, thousands of years. In fact, I was <laughs> I was reading a book. Two or three years ago on God and time. Mm. And no one, like, there's that's one of the things no <laughs> one can seem to agree on. Like, right. did God create time? Yeah. Is he outside of time? Is he inside of time? Do, is time do. the shadow of his being? <laughs> what is time? Do you have like a favorite bet, a favorite theory? So I did like three years ago, <laughs> and now I have a different one. And that's probably because I've been reading a lot of Thomas Aquinas, and he yeah. had a very particular view on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could talk about that in another <laughs> podcast because that could get very long. <laughs> <laughs> Point being, the Psalms kind of give us, again, a language that's adequate to show us how the future is is set and sealed. Hmm. And we can have confidence in that based on the past yeah. faithfulness of God, which is not a normal way for us to think. Right. And in spite of the confusion of the present, God is with us. And just as surely as he worked salvation in the past, he will do it in the future, which is something you see the psalmists doing a lot of. They will often walk through, say, the history of the Exodus and say, you did this for our fathers and you kept them through the wilderness. So surely you'll keep me Hmm. in this wilderness and you will, like Psalm 66, you you brought me through the net, you tried me as silver was tried. You let men pass over my heads, yet you have brought me out to a place of abundance. Mm. And that all kind of converges on time. But then there's matter, of course, which is to say the physical stuff you know, of the world. Right. And the Psalms show us how God is not merely a God of the abstract. And he's not just a distant deity who's uninterested in his created stuff. And you read Psalms like Psalm 19. You, if you didn't know better, you could almost, by the end of the Psalm, you wouldn't, but you could almost get the impression this guy is worshiping nature. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, the Psalms, they're just bursting over with joy and exuberance and praise for the stuff that God has created. Yeah. Talking about like the heavens proclaim the handiwork of God. The trees are praising him. The hills and the valleys are worshiping him. Praise him. You see monsters and creatures. Praise him. You birds. Like The psalmists love the stuff that God made and they see how his glory, his invisible attributes, to quote Paul, can be made known in small ways. Right. through the stuff that he's made and God cares about Absolutely. That stuff. We've talked about this several times in the podcast that I think Western evangelicals are kind of out of touch with mm. in our day and age. We kind of were raised on that, oh, what's the way to say it? You know, everything's gonna burn, yeah. Kind of mentality. Like yeah. everyone in the West I think was kind of caught up in that. And so we kind of have, I think, a misaligned view of creation, whereas God, you know, he looked at creation, and he said, It's good. Yeah. In fact, we were the ones who we were the ones who ruined it. And uh, <laughs> oh. and, uh I was talking to a friend recently and he was talking about the Psalms with me we were just talking about that he's been working through them and he was like isn't it crazy and I would never heard anyone say it like this but it's true it's like God is not only saving us he's saving creation yeah like whoa like man that's about enough to bring tears to your eyes like he cares about the world Clearly, as yeah. much as he cares about us like all of this matter our bodies the trees The ground that was cursed, all of that, he's going to renew it, recreate it, and make it new. And the Psalms, I think, teach us to take joy in that, to be brokenhearted at the places where we do feel the curse in our bodies and in creation. And they give us a language adequate to learning how to care for the world that God has placed us in without, you know, going so far as to, you know worship Mother Earth or something right. like that. And, and here's the thing that I love about the Psalms. Well, there are a lot of things I love about the Psalms. Let's let's be real about it. <laughs>
1: it's like, I'm gonna boil it down to one thing right yeah, now. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous. No. But
0: of all the things, it's language mm. that ties all of this together, a space, matter, time, God's relationship to all of it, God's relationship to us. It's language. God didn't give us math equations, and he, he didn't necessarily send us this one million page instruction manual to say, you know, here's every little detail you need to know about your life, Ethan. Right. He gave us books like the Psalms, which is full of poetry and song and metaphor and all all this language that helps us get inside mm. reality. but through language it's through language that he does that that just fascinates me Mm -hmm. for reasons i can't quite pin down like i'm not 100 sure why that just i just cannot let that go I do think it's amazing the way, like just a turn of a phrase or just a word, to quote Solomon in the Proverbs there, like a word said fitly, or something, I'm paraphrasing that. A word said fitly is like an apple set in silver. I mean, I there's something about that. It just, we were talking earlier about movies, I'm big surprise, right before we started recording, you're talking about how the, the movie, The 4th kind of unlocked something for you. Oh, and my like, word. even though it seems it. no one else understands Everyone that. Everyone
1: hates that movie, but I love it.
0: But it unlocked something for you. Like, I feel like that's the Psalms yeah. and their language. It just it unlocks something for me yeah. and I just I love that and the movie which uh, I spoiled today are our, our <laughs> creative um, kind of uh, illustrative theme on on all of this in a work of modern art is the the film arrival yes. which figures heavily on I think all these concepts pretty much
1: in relation to of all things language it's it is uncanny yeah. how perfect it is. I had not seen this film since I'd seen it in theaters. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty impressive moment. I was like, oh, why you walk out of that theater, like, it's, it's a lot to take in. It is. It's a, an amazing film. But I haven't seen it since. haven't really thought that hard about it since. I'm like, oh, that was cool. I've seen some really cool photo edits of things in the film that are like the iconic imagery. I'm like, oh, neat. And then I sat down and watched it last night. And I was reminded just how absolutely incredible. This is... Josiah, this might be one of my top five films that I have ever seen.
0: It is that good.
1: It's that good. So, just just speaking of all these uh, pillars that we see in Psalms, we see a lot of the same things in the film Arrival. So it starts out with this kind of strange, unexplained phenomenon where, in all of our space here on Earth, all of the points of interest that we deem appropriate, twelve are chosen for an unknown purpose. Twelve objects appear in the sky in our space hovering just above the surface. Mm. Very strange because these points seem to have absolutely no significance. Right? It's, it's not like they picked Giza and London and you know what I mean? It's right. like they picked a field in Montana. Yeah. Or something, I guess, I don't remember. I just watched this last night. It was, it (laughs) was Montana. It's Montana, okay, I'm not insane. When I say objects, yes, we're we're going there. (laughs) I'm talking (laughs) about like crafts. I'm talking about like outer space crafts, like arcane vessels of unknown origin. We are in this territory now.
0: Which is kind of weird too, because 12, 12 cent objects. what? What, What? 12 apostles, 12 tribes, what?
1: I'd almost written in a joke about this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I got nothing. (laughs) But um, all we know about it is that obviously they're not from our world. They're not our technology. Right. And of course, the only thing that means is panic. And if you...
0: <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> and if <you've> it listened... <laughs> doesn't
0: look like us. We're afraid of it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And if you've listened to a previous episode where we talked about the movie Signs, it should sound a tiny bit familiar. And that, I mean, Signs really nails it in its own way. But this takes us through that experience in a different light where the attention is more focused on making that first contact or really any contact of any meaning because we don't understand and how to communicate right enter louise banks played amy by adams. amy adams she's so good she's probably one of my favorite performances of her yes easily and she in this film she is the absolute authority on linguistics As they say in the film, she's at the top of everyone's list. Mm -hmm. She is the be-all, end-all of understanding language. And who better to call to get the ball rolling between, I guess, between species, (laughs) which is a weird sentence to say. Here's a
0: language no one's ever heard before. It's literally not even, it's not even
1: words. Yeah. They're guttural sounds. Yeah. It's the perfect movie language for aliens. (laughs) And you're like, that's, it's, are these aliens or is this a blue whale? Because I cannot tell. So you, person who could uh, translate Farsi, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. But anyway, she she takes on the challenge because the first thing we have to do is, well, maybe not the first thing we have to do, but the first thing we want to know is what are you doing? Yeah. What is your purpose here? Mm-hmm. And if, if 12 people just show up in your doorstep and don't say anything, it's like, uh, hey. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I would not be happy about that.
0: That would be very frightening.
1: Oh, yes, it would. But it's the same on an, on a global scale, basically. So as she works to try to understand what's going on and, and how they even communicate to us and how we can communicate, mm-hmm. it becomes evident that their language isn't as simple as ours. Yeah. Which is, it's very weird to say, because, okay, what's normal to us? We use these weird written shapes that mean sounds, and that's a word. Yeah. And that's how we communicate. Those are our, no matter what your language is, that's pretty much what happens, unless you don't have a written language, but for the most part, we all have written languages. Right. (laughs) Um, That notwithstanding, that's not so for them. Their auditory and written communication do not Correlate at all, so that really it makes things difficult for the sake of the plot, of course. Yeah, but that's where it gets very interesting because their written visual communication are these like strange Rorschach ink blots. Yeah, they're actually very beautiful. <laughs> We're gonna be it's, it's like a minimalist like dream, but it is just that. It is just the visual language. Yeah, it's not something that has audio attached. It communicates thought. You know, it conveys it conveys more than thought, as we'll eventually come to find out. But it literally cannot be verbalized. Yeah, which is really cool, right? Just a little bit of an aside that relates to something you said earlier. It made me think about like art and language, not just because these things like look super cool. And they obviously look like somebody had a lot of fun with an ink dropper. And it's like, yeah. Let's make this the movie language. <laughs> But these shapes, they communicate all of this depth and meaning that transcend. There is no transcription, right, of Starry Night or the haunting portrait of Pope Innocent the Ten. If you want to freak yourself out, look up. Never mind. Um, (laughs) Or like, you know, the classic pointillism piece, Sonny on a La Grande Jatte. Just want to pull out my fake accent. (laughs) The only reason I chose that one. But these are significant works that are works of art and there's no subtitle.
0: Yeah. In fact, someone I was reading recently, I think it was James K. Smith, the philosopher, was saying part of the point of art is like you have to do that because you can't. Yeah. Like if, if I could say what I'm communicating with the portrait of Pope Innocent I I wouldn't need to paint the portrait. Exactly. So that's very interesting.
1: And I, I even think that's true of written art, like of poetry and things we yes. see in the song. There's something unique that it is communicating that you cannot just put in plain language. Right. Like it reaches further mm-hmm. in some way. So anyway, I think I think there's kind of a there's something really weirdly maybe divine about that. Yeah, that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so anyway i think you know at this point in the film what it's asking is if language itself can transcend and it seems yep. that that is what they're discovering which is why i think it's so appropriate with the points that you've laid out because we learn that is happening piece by piece these breadcrumbs kind of spell that out for us That something something else is happening which is when we learn that their language transcends time itself yeah they experience time differently mm-hmm. than us through a different f- filter of source it's, it's the same for their language we experience time we we communicate things with a clear beginning and ending that's the only way we can process things but right. they simply don't which right. is unthinkable yeah. to us to potentially exist outside of it mm-hmm. or to simply see it differently and so similarly their language a thought or a sentence is all communicated simultaneously all at once that in in some way can reach through time itself yeah, absolutely wild. And this is—I mean, this is like a critical discovery. thing. We're going to talk about a little, a couple spoilers if you haven't totally noticed, but like, don't worry because yep. there's a lot more to this. So at this point, our protagonists, Jeremy Rudder and Amy Adams, brilliant—they're doing the Lord's work up there in that spacecraft, <laughs> trying to trying to speak, trying to communicate. But of course, the international tensions are reaching an all time high.
0: As it would when oh, aliens of course. are sitting on your. I'm honestly
1: cup. I'm honestly proud of this this movie world government because I'm like, well, you're doing so much better than I think yeah, we real be humans.
0: Like, Nuke, them. Nuke them right now. <laughs> I know. It's Nuket. like,
1: Wow, they've really they handled themselves very well. I'm very proud of this fake version of reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so good. Like fingers crossed. <laughs> but anyway, this is where it kind of gets scary. Because mm-hmm. we're living in an age of mass destruction and we have for quite some time and it's no different here. People are mobilizing armies and cutting off communications, going dark, where previously there was like a beacon from every nation where we were trying to pool our information to better understand and now people are scared. Yeah. And so things are like really down to the wire because people are basically declaring war on things they don't even understand understand. And there is very very little time to correct this, you know, course of action. But that's when things start to click into place for the people in the film, for their main characters, but hopefully also for our listeners.
0: Da na, na, na. da, da, da.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Because like you described, language is the participatory tool set here. It, it connects us, our humanity, to an intelligence that transcends time. Right. And experiences it in a way that we can scarcely comprehend. Yeah. It is the the... the connective tissue, that is amazing. And like, Mm -hmm. there's a film about it. Yes. If that sounds like super lofty and intellectual, it is. You're absolutely right. It is, It is like, very kind of out there, but it's brilliant. I, in, in, I mean, it's brilliant because it's, like, super well done, but it's also very intelligent. Yes. But it's not going to—I don't think it's going to leave you in the dust.
0: No, I didn't walk in there or out of there feeling like—I didn't understand right. that. Like, there's mystery, but I came yeah. out of there knowing, here's what happened. Whoa. Absolutely. That was amazing. It
1: really— <laughs> It, it had been so long since i've seen it i've forgotten a lot of the key details mm-hmm. so i'm seeing these moments I'm like wait is that what is what i know something weird about that and then it blew me away a second time yeah like it is honestly very impressive and there is a whole other narrative flowing through this that is even more personal to the characters that deepens the story and brings it to life and is very much something you should not miss
0: amazing movie yes amazing how that all comes together there yeah language through connecting language. us to mm. realities we can scarcely comprehend that's amazing except through language <laughs> <laughs> well we do hope that perhaps your reading of the psalms and your experience of this movie if you haven't seen it will be enhanced by them yeah to the glory of god mm. amen <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Creative Commentary. And if you have any questions, shoot them to podcast at horizonschurch.net or find us on social media. And if you enjoy this content, subscribe and leave us an mm. honest five-star review. Would always make sure really it's honest. Sh- would appreciate it. Honest five-star review. And you got, always make sure it's five. Yeah. And if it's like Ethan did earlier, an honest one-star review of my face, then, you know. Sh- keep it to yourself, yeah, please. Yeah, keep that to yourself. We don't need that. No, please. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.